listening to the Art of Fulfillment podcast. We interview the world's most fulfilled people to share with you the strategies, techniques, and ideas that can help you master your own art of fulfillment. Life isn't about external success. It's all about fulfillment. Or in other words, how you feel about yourself when you are by yourself. Today's guest is a mountaineer, speaker, author, expedition leader, and professor who is all about taking a no-off-days mentality approach to life. He has summited Mount Everest twice, climbed six of the seven continental summits, climbed over a thousand Colorado peaks, and has completed a long and impressive list of expedition challenges, all with the intent of living a life doing what he loves to do most. He is the author of three books and a motivational speaker who has been featured on TEDx and has spoke to organizations such as the Minnesota Timberwolves, Hewlett Packard, and Vail Resorts. So please, help me in welcoming the man who survived a 7.9 magnitude earthquake on one of his ascents to Mount Everest, and the guy who will teach you how to conquer your own Everest in life, Dr. John Kidrowski. Thank you so much for coming on the show, John. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. How's it going oh, today? It is going great, man. It is going great. How are you? I mean, you're in, you're in Vail. You're living up. We were talking about how you're living up this quarantine basically in a good position. So yeah, how is it going out there? Well, it's still the end of winter. I mean, it's technically spring now, so things are getting warmer, but um, it just snowed the last night a little bit and I uh, was out skiing just a little bit outside my house yesterday following the quarantine guidelines though which means you know social distancing but uh recreating close to home so i'm not driving long distances and um just getting exercise i think is really important especially during this time i mean uh, i know for some people that live in bigger cities that's a little bit more challenging but regardless i encourage people to get outside and follow social distancing guidelines but but go and have fun because it's really it really is a game changer for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I a thousand percent agree, man. Like, it, like, I think people should be moving around, like you said, man. And and even just having fun, right? Like, I love how you highlighted that aspect of it, right? Like, cause there's all the health benefits of moving around and everything, but just having fun is is an important part in this time, and especially just to keep your your head in check with all the uncertainty and all like the solitude for some people living on their own. I think just fun is an important aspect that we always got to remember. And speaking about fun, I mean, your background is at least in my eyes, like a definition of fun for sure. I mean, just some of the things that you've done, like, I mean, you've, you've went out to go on expeditions on Everest multiple times, climbed six out of the seven highest peaks in the world, authored several books, spoke at TEDx, man, I can go on and on about all the things that you've done. And it just sounds like an awesome, fun and fulfilling life. And you can tell by the way that you carry yourself and the way that you talk about your message and how you're so passionate about what you do, that this was a path that ultimately is one that you know you wanted to take on for yourself and one that you know leaves you with a smile on your face so um before we kind of get started into like all like the nitty-gritty and the advice and the practical stuff um how did you get started on this path like towards you know not just all the amazing adventures you've done outside writing the books and everything like that but ultimately you know creating this fulfilling life for you what did that kind of process look like um, I was initially kind of started when I was a lot younger and just going to school first. It was, uh, 
using the mountains as a training tool. So when I grew up in Colorado, we'd have our sports seasons. I played football. I played basketball mainly um, as my two primary sports in high school. But I sort of found fulfillment in the off season by trying to do something different. I mean, a lot of times kids these days get burnt out on training, for example. And I was really lucky that I had friends that liked getting into the outdoors, whether it was going on trail runs, then hiking the peaks. And in fact, in high school, I tackled the, the 14,000 foot peaks here in Colorado. There's 58 of them. And Incredible. I started just kind of going out to trailheads. And sometimes I brought friends, um, family members, those sorts of things, and found that if I was out in the mountains, not only did it sort of feed my soul, but it allowed me to get really physically fit for games, for example, in basketball or for football, you know, contests. And it sort of gave me a competitive edge that I didn't you know, didn't never know you could actually get. And that was from being out, let's say hiking for eight, 10 hour days or battling a storm or battling the wind and things like that, that are sort of intangibles with that really um, toughen you up basically. So I, I sort of learned this mantra at an early age. Um, it was accept and embrace being uncomfortable on some level in order to push forward and achieve. And sometimes those uncomfortable moments are really, really difficult, but we always realize that they, they're not that like they're short term. They, they're mm -hmm. not, long-lived painful events it's sort of a push through the pain and then you can apply that to everyday life right so whether if you're a student you can apply it to sports whether it's like training um, running sprints or working hard in the gym with your teammates or homework um, you know some of us have difficult classes that we take and we have to push mm -hmm. through some of the difficult periods but we can also rely on classmates teammates family members so that's kind of where it all got all got started and uh at an early age in high school, um, I sort of had a group of friends. We actually called ourselves the, uh, the NOD, which at the time meant the nation of domination, where we changed it to this mantra called no off days. Mm. And that just means being the best you can be for your friends, your family, and in other cases, your career. Mm -hmm. And sort of this concept is something that I've lived by. And in, in fact, like friends that I've met along the way and teammates, including Aaron Genegas and uh, some of my other teammates in college, we sort of bonded together through the tough times, right, to get through them. And that allowed us to be successful at everything that we were doing. Um, and it really does play over into real life. And so, yeah, so I got started kind of on my path of wanting to chase the outdoors um, in high school. But then when I went to college, I'd always gravitate back to Colorado. I went to college at Valparaiso University in Indiana. Mm -hmm. And um, Met some great people out there through basketball and played basketball in college, um, but I had to work really hard because, you know, I wasn't the biggest, tallest, strongest guy by any means. It was more about putting the time in, working hard. And then even in the summer, I'd come back to Colorado. I'd be training, climbing these peaks, and I'd get back to the season with teammates that were all faster, bigger, stronger than me. But I had this sort of different edge that none of them realized, and that was altitude training. Mm, and I'd go mm. and be winning these sprints, and I'd be able to compete and at least – you know, hold my own against guys that were always, always better than me. Um, but then that allowed me to really um, do things, you know, in my life that pushed me even further. And I learned the value of surrounding myself with people that either could mentor me or that were better than me at things. Because then if I was around them, I was sort of sucking in all the information or sucking in all the techniques or things like a sponge. Mm -hmm. And it allowed me to be better and better myself. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where it all got started. And, uh, 
Not until I had a crossroads in my life, you know, about 15 years ago, 18 years ago, got graduated from college pre-medicine. And then I had a, sort of a choice in my life. I lived in Vail again for a year working at the world-renowned Stedman Hawkins Clinic as a medical assistant. And I actually got into medical school. And then I also got into grad school. And at that point, my, my life had, had to take a different path. And I decided that going to med school wasn't my full-on dream. It was mm. more sort of having a vision to take what I was doing in the outdoors and actually make a career out of it. So you know, that winter, I remember, even though I worked at this clinic, I, was, I skied like 70 days that season. And I thought to myself, wow. what could I do to be outside every single day in my life, in my career? And that sort of planted the seed. And from there, it was, well, I still have to take another step back and maybe get in a further education to where I can either maybe be a college professor or figure out ways to work in the outdoor world because I'm so passionate about it. And that's really what it was about, is pursuing your passion mm -hmm. as opposed to just pursuing a job that maybe you like make a lot of money. And I knew that taking the path of maybe not going to medical school might lead me to not making as much money in the long run, but I didn't care. I mm -hmm. thought, you know, if I'm happy and I'm pursuing my passion, that's going to be a better path than it is grinding it out, you know, trying to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. And so that led me to moving, moving forward and uh, pursuing a graduate degree and multiple graduate degrees. Mm -hmm. Oh man, I, I love that story. Thank you so much for sharing. And it's, it's so cool whenever, I encounter someone like you who um, is on a path like where is, and like for those of you who are, aren't familiar with the path, I haven't done it personally, but I know people when you go through the path of like med school and getting all that stuff, it's a grueling, it's a long process for sure. And the fact that you were like, no, like this isn't something that's going to fulfill me. I'm going to go out and actually pursue what I'm passionate about. First of all, it take, takes a lot of balls. So I want to say props to you for that. But second of all, it, it really goes to speak of like why, you know, you have that smile on your face, why you're fulfilled, like why you are loving life every single day because you trusted yourself to take that leap, right? Even though society might say a certain thing. And that's what I really love about that message right there because this whole podcast, a lot of our listeners for the most part are people who are in that kind of path, but they know that they want to do something more like not just more as in like success, but more as in like following what their true passion and heart is. So for you going on this path, like I'm sure like, you know, eventually like one of your big Everest was actually climbing Everest, but I, I bet at the time, like making this pivot was an Everest for you. And you always talk about how you got to find what your own Everest is in life and tackle it. So how did you kind of approach that pivot in a way that helped you to climb that Everest? And then if people have a similar goal to you, whether it's starting up a side business, pursuing their own passion, like how can they take those principles into their own uh, path of pursuing whatever goals that they want in life? Uh, well, I think it comes with just being, uh, being true to yourself in terms of what you really want. So for me, it was like another phrase, ask yourself what you want and then you have to do it. You have mm -hmm. to hold yourself accountable, but then also surround yourself with people that might hold yourself accountable. You can check in regularly with them, you know? And so great example of that was like, I, I, then I decided to pursue my master's in geography, weather and climate, and then a PhD in the same field, geography, weather and climate. And I had a great advisor by the name of uh, David Butler at the Texas State University. And basically what he told me was, you know, sort of like, oh, you know, I, I wanna live in Colorado, but, and I realized I have to take a step back. Sometimes you have to take steps back to take steps forward. Mm -hmm. And 
So I went down to grad school at Texas State and and he sort of encouraged me and he was like, well, you know, but you can still travel as a grad student and you can get research grants or I, you can get put on projects where you can go to the mountains and work. And this can be really rewarding. And then eventually once you find, you know, get your degree, you can move wherever you want to do whatever you want with it. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of took that advice because every summer, the three summers I was in grad school at Texas State, though I had left and I needed to be back in Colorado for part of the summer or I was hired on for two summers as a climbing ranger at Mount Rainier National Park. Mm. And we did, I did a study for my dissertation where we researched the permit system and the management of the permit system. And that was the, the, the basis of my dissertation. So from that experience, I got to be a climber and go out and climb and learn from guys that had been doing it for years. And that's where I kind of really started most of my apprenticeship as a true mountaineer, like in a glacier environment with ice axes and crampons and rope work and things that are more difficult than mountains that I had climbed for years in Colorado. And that then planted the seed to say, all right, well now I need to start taking international trips and mm. things like that. And so I would take international trips pretty much any time I could, I had free time, I'd be saving up money and jump on a plane and go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that allowed me to develop relationships in places that, you know, are far away, but I learned, you know, met locals, met people, became friends with people. A great example of that is in Nepal. You know, I, I developed networks there where I have friends and Sherpas and people that are like family to me now that I can trust. So now I, when I go, I, I started getting asked over the years to take people there. And that was sort of how the seed got planted to, to grow, to start a business doing some of these things. And that is, I would travel to a place and then people would see it or sort of through word of mouth or through other means. And then, oh my gosh, I want to go there. Like, how can we go there? And, you know, some far off places are really mysterious. And even, you know, 15 years ago, it was a lot more difficult to travel because the internet wasn't as Mm. big as it is now in terms of how easy it is to schedule things, book things and and stuff Mm. like that. So that kind of got me going on the international travel side. And then, like I said, grad school sort of leapfrogged me into going and doing other things. So like, for example, two of those summers, not only was I in Mount Rainier National Park, but I went to Glacier National Park and worked on climate change research. Wow. Um, those experiences not only trained me in the outdoors, but gave me a basis to understand um, the, my skill set. And then traveling places allowed me to build my networks. Mm-hmm. And that sort of led me in it. That's the long story or the short story of like how it led me to getting into what I'm doing now. And then I've been slowly cultivating and building a business on that. Uh, and then I would create projects. So you know, a lot of times in this sort of rough and tumble world of trying to get sponsors and working with companies, I do you know visit trade shows and I have a number of sponsors I work with, but sometimes sponsors aren't always there and you can't always trust that stuff financially. And so what I also encourage people to do is like, you know, you can grind things out, but like you can work, you can work a different job on the side Mm-hmm. Uh, to make ends meet or to fulfill let's say finances to allow you to go travel because a lot of people were always asking me like well like when I was in grad school how are you traveling still and like you're in grad school like I'm so poor and I can't even afford to do this or this and I it's like well you know I, I worked three jobs in grad school because that was like two of the three jobs were my travel slush fund and one of the jobs allowed me to pay my rent and so I just had this like travel slush fund and then I'd go do it. And then, yeah, a few times I took a chance and put money on a credit card. I don't encourage that by any means, but <laughs> it's for several years now, I was in pretty bad debt, but I had to then realize what the return on investment was. You know, I mean, the first time I climbed Everest in 2012, I raised about 20000 of the $27,000 
to go. And the last seven grand, I just slapped on my credit card. And I was like, you know what? When I'm 60, I'm not going to be able to do this. Like, I need mm. to do it now. And sometimes you have to just sort of seize the moment and go with your gut. And that's kind of what I did the first time I went to Everest is I, you know, I just took a chance and that ended up being a return on investment because as soon as I came back, um, you know, prior to that time, my training was, I, I did this project called sleeping on the summits. And that was where I spent the night on the summits of the 58, 14,000 foot peaks in Colorado. I spent the night up on these peaks and I, I had this amazing adventure where it was all done in one summer. And it was sort of a story of adversity, overcoming obstacles, having fun, pursuing your passion. It was sort of all these everyday life things of what's your Everest, but it was also working towards the greater goal. And that was climbing Everest later. And that project was 90 days, 95 days, 55 peaks. And that was a three month expedition, you know, and that prepared me for a two month expedition on Everest, which in my opinion, the Everest climb was actually easier than the, than the sleeping on the summits project. But I kind of had the timing of all these things coming together all at once along with my education being done with my doctorate and the ability to both be a professor at a college, have extra time off and then pursue my side passions without being financially worried about them. And so, you know, that was, that's kind of how I, I got started in this. And really since 2012 now, now I've been able to hone in the business aspects of it. In fact, in the last year I hired my first sort of, you know, major employee slash business partner mm. to help me organize a lot of things. And he's, he's been amazing and helped me a lot. But um, I've been able to sort of build things step by step, but always sort of realizing that the, the greater goal is that I'm also passionate about working with other people and training other people. So I've had sort of my day in the sun of climbing a lot of mountains on my own, and I still like to do that sometimes or go on do maybe one of my own expeditions a year. But now it's, it's really about mentoring to the, either the next generation of climbers or people that really have a personal dream or their own Everest in mind. And then we can tailor it to those needs. And this includes uh, training, expedition training, guiding clients on smaller objectives first. And then, for example, last season, I guided my first one-on-one -on -one client to the summit of Everest on my fourth oh, wow. Everest expedition. So now I'm actually working with another client that is their goal is to climb Everest too. But we're doing a step-by-step -step process where we, you know, I took the client to Ecuador last month and, um, so it's a step-by-step -step process, but um, it's really rewarding because I, I get to work with people in, in a one-on-one -on -one environment and they're all really dialed into the challenges um, and they get to learn from me, but also they get to work hard on something that they're dreaming about. And so for me, that's, that's where fulfillment comes in now is working with others. So, so the business also is uh, tied to skiing. You know, I'm right here in Vail and so I'm a certified ski instructor. So I work with people um, hands-on one-on-one or even uh, small groups of skiers all winter long and that keeps me fit but it also allows me to bring income in that way so kind of build my business upon multiple income streams having fun and um, you know helping others I love that man yeah and I, I think it's so awesome that you're you're all about contribution now right because it, it's cool to see that you know you've had all these experiences like climbing all those peaks and climbing Everest and and doing all these amazing things and having fun for yourself. But in the end of the day, like all those things become so much more worth it because you're giving, you're, you're giving that experience and your knowledge and everything you learned on the ways to other people. Right. And I, I love how that's like such a fulfilling aspect for you because you know, it's people like you that totally allow this world to become a better place because you're helping other people to achieve their goals and everything like that. So I want to just say like, that's such an admirable thing 
for you to do given all your experiences and everything like that. And one thing that I thought was really interesting was that, you know, you, when you're talking about working with clients and not even just working with the clients, but approaching your um, first summit to Everest, you're, you're talking all about the process, right? More so the process than the outcome. And if you, if, you know, for those of you listening who have listened to John's talks before, and if you haven't, I totally suggest listen to his TED Talks, and um, he's got a good speaker reel on his site. He's all about the process and everything like that, and I, I think it's such an important concept. So what does that mean to really enjoy the process? And then what does that process actually look like in terms of trying to actually go for your goals in a way that sets you up where you can enjoy the process, but also actually make progress towards the goal itself? Yeah. I mean, um, it is really all about that. I mean, that's like the first thing we do on a, any big expedition. I mean, I had a, a climb on Manislu last fall where we were overseeing some clients and then I got to sort of climb a, a solo mission on a Manislu without oxygen. But even that trip or some of these trips were away from home for four six or eight weeks. And you literally are thinking about this summit. Some people get so fixated on it. And it's actually, that's unhealthy because in reality, let's say Everest, luckily my first summit, I was able to go up to the top and be up there for, you know, two hours because the weather was good and I had extra oxygen, you know, but then other summits, you, you spend all this time, you know, like Manislu or other times I've been up on Everest and you tag the summit for five minutes and you have to come down and you spent six or eight weeks going for that goal oh and God. suddenly it's over. And you, some people can have this emptiness after they've reached that goal, right? Because they've been fixed on it, fixated on it for so long. So when we take people on trips, and it can even be like a two-week trek to Everest Base Camp, which I offer every spring. And people even then get so fixated on, oh, I want to be at Base Camp or I want to get the view of Everest. And I'm like, well, all right, today we're just going to go trek to this next tea house village and go to this monastery. We're going to go mm -hmm. see the markets in this village. Or we're going to go visit a dear friend of mine who helped build, rebuild homes during the earthquake. But we sort of step it out each day, just one by one. And it takes people's mind off of that bigger, greater goal. And that's been so much more rewarding and, and stuff because yeah, literally you're, you're missing the boat because you're so fixated on the summit and you're only going to be up there for 15 minutes anyway, which is nothing, the blink of an eye. And if we don't settle in and enjoy the journey, we're really selling ourselves short. And so, yeah, my advice to people is, especially now during this coronavirus time, it can be the same thing is like, we might be so fixated on that goal of getting out from this, this quarantine and what is going on and, and how difficult the world is. And every day we're just sort of stuck in a, in a rut somewhere. Eventually we are going to get out of this. And then we might look back on this and be like, wow, I wish I had more downtime. I wish I had more time to work on a puzzle or watch a movie or write something I've been thinking about for a long time or um, enjoying time with my family or, my spouse, those types of things are really important too. Um, so it is, uh, it's really about being present, you know, mm -hmm. being present every, each and every day versus being focused so far on that bigger goal. And if we're present on the short-term goals each and every day, the long-term goal will take care of itself. Absolutely. And that's really the main message with all this. And especially with the coronavirus uh, issue. I mean, myself, I've been locked down for a couple of, a couple of weeks, you know, it's tough, but at the same time, it's, it's been great. I, you know, this will be, um, day seven, 16 or 17 now. Right. I've been locked down, but, um, you know, I had to cancel all my expeditions this year and just bump into next year, but that's okay. It's been, it's been really nice. 
because the last two seasons I've been in Nepal and I've been in Tibet on Mount Everest and in, in the Khumbu region. And it was kind of nice just to be like, Oh good. I'm home this spring, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so just taking advantage of being present. Yeah, that is, that is a really, really good message, especially relevant to what you were saying. I love how you tied it back to now with the coronavirus, right? Like a lot of people are just focusing on like, oh man, like what am I going to do when I get out of this? Or what do I do when the quarantine's over? It's like, hey, well, what are you going to do right now as you're in the quarantine, right? Like I think it really relates to that. So what would your kind of advice be to that kind of person who, you know, let's just say they have a goal and maybe it got sidetracked through this coronavirus or they're just thinking about, Oh, when I get out, like I'm going to go after this. Like, how do you, what would your advice be to that person who's going through that kind of mindset right now? And at the same time, like, how do you, what would kind of like be your approach to weathering this storm as you like to put it? Because hell, this is a storm that's, you know, obviously affecting everybody in the United States and some people are handling it or some people are taking it much worse than others. Um, so how, what would your kind of advice be around those two things? Like how to make use of your time and how to weather the storm? Yeah, you have to kind of create a routine. And, um, you know, I just got done doing like an interview with uh, CNN. And um, also I wrote a blog on my website and it's johnkodrowski.com. But I have a blog that I talked about five simple ways that you can battle, you know, or, or five simple things you can do to, get yourself through this period basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, the main thing is just creating a routine. Mm. You know, you can't just get up every day and just kind of be like, Oh, I got this free time. Like I have no purpose. I think you should try to map out, you know, luckily, fortunately, you know, a lot of us still have, have jobs where we can work from home. So that's a great, great thing. Um, but it's, it's creating a, a daily routine so that you don't just get sort of lost in all of this extra time. Mm-hmm. Because then it will pass and you'll look back and just be like, well, what did I do? Um, and so the routine part comes with the, you know, daily exercise. Like for me, I'll get up some mornings and I'm, I'm doing yoga. Um, I'm meditating. And that's been kind of fun to do that. I've been sharing some of those things with my, um, with my girlfriend and we've been doing a lot of yoga. We've been getting out and doing runs. Um, so then we've been mixing it with some exercise and things like that. Um, but there's just been a lot of, uh, lot of extra time to add more things like if there's been something you've been putting off like we pulled out a thousand piece puzzle and started putting that together you know and and puzzles are are good to do and then reading books you know it's been great like for me because I am a writer and I'm actually luckily I have a a contract for a new hiking guidebook that'll be coming out probably next year at this time um I've been able to start working on that, but because I am a writer and I'll admit, I mean, I, I put three books out in five years from 2012 to 2017, I kind of got burnt out on writing. Mm. So it's been refreshing to read and sit down and grab a fun book and just read. Um, so I encourage people to do that, but those are things that I put into my routine and they, they seem simple, but they're also like sort of pleasures that you're like, wow, when I, when things were a little more hectic and crazy and I had tons of travel, like I didn't do some of these things. Mm-hmm. And so those are nice. Um, binging on a show. I've been watching a couple of different like Netflix, the series. Those are kind of fun. We're going to pull out some old star Wars movies. I think. Next. Oh, let's go. Let's there's go. Just so many, yeah. There's so many good things that you can do. Journaling actually is a really good popular activity because the, these are such unprecedented times that what's going to happen, let's say in six months or a year. And then five years from now, and you might look back on this and be like, you remember that time in 2020 when we were, locked in locked up but then like oh wait i really don't remember much of that time 
but for me, because I've, I've been on 20 plus expeditions to peaks over 20,000 feet in my career, this is kind of like a mini expedition that I'm on right now, mm. except I have the comforts of home. It's really awesome. I've got <laughs> a kitchen to cook in. I've got a warm bed to sleep in. And, um, but it's still similar to that to where it's like just sort of waiting, waiting out, let's say weather, waiting out bad days before I can go to a summit. So I've got all this time in the world to journal and I journal on all my expeditions. So similar, I'm, I've kind of created this, like the coronavirus 2020 expedition in my journal. <laughs> I love I've been it. journaling and just talking about not only my own personal process of how I'm handling this, uh, and this, and this can be a mentally like therapy and healing, but I'm also journaling about what's going on in the outside world as this virus is progressing and, something to really be scared of too much but just to like sort of document like wow okay now they created these like stay-at-home orders and now the east coast is going through this really tough time and then you know where's you know what's the latest news and, and what you know what's happening with various friends and family members what's happening in my own personal relationships um it's been really kind of a cool process and that's something that i'll be able to go back and, and read and really mm -hmm. feel later so i encourage people to do that during mm -hmm. this time just journal for sure yeah um, i love that the coronavirus yeah. expedition it's a coronavirus coronacation coronacation yes i love been using instagram stories and i've been you know putting a few instagram stories up i know that my situation is unique because i can kind of go right out the door and get out into the mountains a lot more and so i've also i'm also being aware that not everyone ha has as fair of a situation as me too so i don't want to play that up too much but so, you know, so at times I've been putting a few scenes from the outdoors, but I, I'm trying to go a little bit lighter on that. Um, because if somebody's in a big city and they can't even leave their place, that can be tough. And you don't want people to feel that, what would you call that, like envious and FOMO and all that. So, mm -hmm. but, you know, it's also a way to inspire others to say, well, look, you can also create your own Everests too, to get out and, and do Everesting. You know, Everesting is mm -hmm. another concept that I'm living by. And um, we're always grinding now. We're always Everesting every single day. And those are good. And then, um, and then projects that you can tangibly try to do, let's say you've been putting off something for a long time. For me, it's all right. Well, it's been three years since I've had a book. So now I am very passionate about working on a new book. Another piece of advice for people is like, um, photo scrapbooks. You know, some people have these home projects that they've, that can make you feel really good that have been big projects that in our busyness of our everyday lives, we never have time to do. So, mm -hmm decluttering the home i'm already doing that right now i'm like been kicking and screaming kind of doing that right now with a special friend right now which has been awesome but um decluttering can feel really good you're throwing stuff away you're getting rid of things you're tidying up around the house those are important um the photo scrapbooks you know are kind of a lost art though right now in the digital world some people don't actually have hard photos but you can go online on like websites like um snapfish and you can mm -hmm. order photos of friends family loved ones and then you can get those shipped to your home and then you can create them in the scrapbook or you may already have scrapbooks set aside with photos and you could take time to do these projects that you haven't been able to have time to do and those can be goals that you set aside and then there's other you know bigger goals that everybody might have but if you've been putting something off that you can actually do in this time i, I really encourage people to do that mm -hmm. and that'll also help you pass the time in a valuable way so that when you get done with this period you can um look back on it, you know, and then, uh, what we're doing right now, obviously we're doing a podcast, but I just was on zoom or on FaceTime with friends and family over the weekend. And that's really fun. And now with the zoom, like people are like, like 20 people in a, 
on a chat. Yeah. It gets crazy. <laughs> you know? Those can be really fun and rewarding times. You know, the technology that we have now is amazing because you imagine if this uh, quarantine period or this crisis had happened, let's say, 15, 20 years ago where the video conferencing just wasn't where it's at now. Um, you know, it would have been a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. people would be talking but even just the, the physical visual interaction is really key yeah um, and then physical fitness not only on top of um getting outside a little bit but uh uh challenging friends to do crazy fitness challenges so uh aaron janigas and i along with one of my good friends mike uh he's a friend slash client of mine um we're doing this 100 100 push-up 100 sit-up challenge right now oh day. interesting yeah, day, so I got every day. Mind today. I've done it. I've done it for the last three days in a row. I'm sore a little bit because I usually don't <laughs> do as many push-ups. But I, I got through my hundred and hundred yesterday, and then, then we end up texting each other, and sometimes we Facetime each other, and we're doing it, and we're just like, it's it gets really fun. Oh, know? that's awesome! So creating these like challenges where you can like push it on a friend or a family, and then that forces you to stay in touch with them mm-hmm. is really good. You know, um, you know. So those are all kind of big pieces to what I wrote more on my blog about this and how to get through this, this time. Mm-hmm. I love that, man. And that, that's a great practical playbook for people to really get through this, right? Like, so I think anyone listening right now, if they're still saying, I don't know what to do during the quarantine, like they're, they're definitely lying. Cause you just gave some great, great pointers right there. And I, I love every second of it, especially the journaling thing. I think the journaling thing is awesome. And it's cool to see how you do this on your expeditions and you're also doing it now, but the principle stays the same and the benefit stays the same, even, you know, when you're on top of a mountain or in, you know, where you're living right now, quarantined, right? Like the concept is still the same and it still allows you to look back and see like, hey, like, what was I thinking during these times? What did I learn? All those things. I think it's such an important practice. And one thing I kind of want to get onto the mindset piece of this whole thing, because I know you do talk about it um, in terms of embracing uncertainty right so we don't even know i for the most part of americans we don't even know what next week's gonna look like or the week after or anything like that and some people like this could cause their next few months to be uncertain or even like the beginning of the year to be uncertain and as you know like when you have a lot of uncertainty it can be very stressful and definitely lead to a lot of just negative feelings that come up so what is kind of your mindset around uncertainty and how do you how would you suggest people see uncertainty in a way that serves them as opposed to one that like holds them back? Yeah, I think it's having a good balance. So you mix, you mix the fulfillment of uh, completing some of the things that we just talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Once you get those things done, you're like, wow, okay, that felt great. And then you mix that with the balance of also being true to yourself about the situation, but then not letting it consume you, you mm-hmm. know? And so, Great example of that too is like me and my girlfriend, like we sort of have come to agreement of like, okay, we're going to watch a little bit of the news or we're going to like listen to the daily podcast or we're going to listen to something that keeps us informed of what's going on, but then we're going to shut it off and we're going to, we're going to realize that it exists, but then we're not going to let it consume us so much that it, that it pulls us down. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a great mindset. You know, we're, we are addressing that it, it's reality then we're going to use our time to let's say stay in touch with like for example my parents who are in their 60s they're going to be vulnerable to this Mm -hmm. if it happens so we're going to reach out to them make sure they're doing okay um but then we're going to move on and do things that make us feel normal you know Mm -hmm. and and uh you know even 
something as joyous as cooking a meal together in the kitchen is really important or, um, you know, the exercise, but, uh, but it is trying to create a somewhat of a normal life because you can't sit and watch it all day long. If you do that, it's going to pull you down and, um, encourage others through, you know, if we're doing videoing to do the same, but also to not isolate themselves. Like we've isolated ourselves, but don't isolate ourselves. Meaning like make it an excuse to, to reach out to people. Yes. Especially people that are really alone in this time. You know, people that have families aren't as alone as somebody, let's say that's single and that can be pretty bad. Yeah. Or yeah. So, you know, or like I'm really lucky here in Vail, like my sister and her husband live down the road we've all gotten to the point where we've kind of done family group quarantine, but then we know we're healthy and we don't have it now because it's been like 17 days worth of this. So now we can actually hang out with a few other family and close friends that but still keep it in a, a small group of under 10 um, or even five or, or just like four at a time, but like know that like certain people have also isolated. So it's all kind of a safe, safe net, but just, you know, isolation, not isolated because of the fact that we're we're staying in touch mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just being strong with that and uh yeah just not letting it consume every single day try to stay positive and then again for me this is like what what we do on expeditions because you can have a big storm on a mountain and you just have to let the storm pass and there's nothing you can do about it so it goes back to real life too once we get done with this situation you know we can't control the things that are out of our control you know like I, on a personal level, I can't control what's happening out on the East coast right now. I can't, I can just control the situation in front of me and just try to influence a few people around me to stay positive, but also to, to just sort of live and follow the guidelines right now. And that's, that's all I can do. So if I get too caught up in the greater, greater pain of, you know, let's say 50,000 cases and 10,000 deaths, that's going to really pull me down. So I'm going to try not to focus on that. Mm Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I love how you said it, you started off the question saying it's a balance, right? Like having, having the one foot in uncertainty and one foot in the certainty, right? Like having those two things, like it, it's healthy to have a little bit of uncertainty in your life, right? I mean, like, hell, I'm sure that, you know, with your expeditions and stuff like that, there's a bunch of uncertainty, but at the same time, like you have the certainty that this is something that you love and having that uncertainty also provides, as you said, in the beginning of the podcast, the struggle and the adversity and the challenge that the uncomfortableness that we all need to face in life in order to grow and reach new limits and ultimately have the strength to push forward. So I love that. And I love how you are talking about, you know, again, using this, this time to kind of find the balance between the two and ultimately find a way to connect right with other people. I think that's, that's such an important concept that people really like should take advantage of this situation is one where we can see it as one to get closer, right? As opposed to one that, you know, we're living in fear and always looking at the news. And instead, like said that, we can just say, nah, okay, I know what the news is. Now I'm going to go talk to, you know, my aunt who I haven't talked to in like three months or something like that. Yeah, so exactly. That's... So you could pick five friends. Like maybe I, I tell people, encourage somebody today and say, look, choose five people that you really should feel in your heart that you should reach out to and go ahead and do it, you know, call them five people in a row, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. and make a list in that, you know, cause you never know somebody that you may have not talked to in a while could be struggling and you can reach out to them. That can make the difference. hundred percent, man. hundred percent. I love that. I love that so much. So I encourage everyone listening right now to do that. 
for sure. Like in this times, it will not only help you get through it, but it'll help whatever person that you're reaching out to go and do it. And speaking of like total, like crazy times, like there's one, and I know we're kind of coming to the end of the podcast, but I really wanted to ask you about this moment just to know what your mindset was like and like how you were able to get out of it. So when you were going to summit Everest one time, you were there when there was the, what was it? Was it 7.1 or not? 7.9 earthquake? Uh, 7.9 earthquake. 7.9 magnitude earthquake so i'm reading this story and i'm like holy toledo this is a this is a crazy story and you know you got out alive and not only that but you were able to help other people in that situation to get out safely and healthy and everything like that so i can't even imagine like how crazy that must have seemed in the moment so what what was kind of going through your mind at that time and how are you able to actually you know maintain your composure enough to get out healthy and safe and also help other people at the same time. Cause I think a lot of people who can listen to this story can also take it into the coronavirus situation, but not just that when there's like an unexpected, just thing totally out of their control that happens that might derail a goal or a path to fulfillment or something like that. So could you kind of just give some pointers as to what was going through your mind and how do you, how, how you approach that situation? Yeah, so in 2015, I was in base camp at Mount Everest and a 7.9 magnitude earthquake shook the whole country and a big ridge line three miles long above base camp collapsed and fell 4,000 feet and accelerated across the central part of our base camp. I was maybe 100 yards away from a few places where tents got completely destroyed, blasted like a big powder blast of air that came down from the sonic wave and 20 people lost their lives. And I had people that were covered in rocks and hit by projectiles through this sort of bomb-like phenomenon. And I was just really lucky to be a little bit out of the way. And so when we went down into the disaster zone, I was just like, wow, this, I can't believe this is happening. But at the same time, it was like, well, we can't freak out because that's not gonna do us any good. So you have to just maintain composure. And while all the climbers that were safe from it and spared, we all sort of bonded together and, and, uh, sort of had the mindset of, well, you know, it didn't hit us. So our purpose here is now to help others and to help both pull the injured out, but to also provide food and supplies for any climbers that are stuck here and up on the mountain that are getting airlifted down because they got stuck in the um, ice fall and above it, above the ice fall on Everest. And uh, yeah. And so, you know, you always have to address um, difficult, challenging situations by obviously coming to grips with the, situation that's occurred right like not ignoring it but you also have to realize that sort of sitting and i don't know this is more like a saying that i got from coaches growing up but like sitting and pouting about it's not going to do any good Mm -hmm. so even in a crisis i almost think of that in my head i'm like well sitting here and being all like scared and worried about it's not going to help me so if i just hold it together acknowledge it and then move forward you know and figure out well what can we do about it that's the advice I give to people right now. I mean, this is a really hard, challenging time, something that probably won't ever happen to us again. It is very scary to think that worst case scenario in the United States, 2 million people get killed by coronavirus. I hope that it's the numbers aren't that high, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we also need to realize that everyone's going to bond together and do everything we can, that we're all in this together and that we will get through it and have a positive mindset of it no matter what. And that'll help us face the challenges. Um, And then also realize that, you know, even though a lot of people are going to get infected with it, that uh, for the most part, 
90% of us are going to be the healthy side of it in terms of like either not getting it or not having the worst side effects for it. So mm-hmm. you have to stay on the positive mindset first, most opposed to just the negative, like, Oh, I'm going to get it. I'm going to be dead. You know, you just mm-hmm. can't even think that way. You got to think the other, the other route. I just really believe the mindset of it's the most important. And then, and then, like I said, leave it for a while and focus on things that we can control right in front of us. Mm-hmm. So um, everyone can do their part and we're all going to be okay. Absolutely, but, man. Uh, but the expedition stuff, you know, was very similar. It was like, well, we have to get through this. And then now what can we do to better our situation? Um, and then for me, as a climbing standpoint, I, I always believe mountains are going to be there. So it's like, well, if I can't climb, I'll just go do something else. I mean, that's been my approach this entire spring because I had this really awesome project put together to go over and uh, not only guide some trekkers hiking on my Nepal programs, which on my, again, on my website, I have uh, information about the treks and the trips that I lead and so if people have a dream of doing something in the mountains they can get in touch with me um, but I also had a goal to go and climb Everest this season without the use of supplemental oxygen and uh, that was a really big challenge that I was ready to take on and that sort of got take away, taken away from me in this um, crisis but the silver lining on it is that I got to stay home now and I'm getting to work on a lot of other awesome things that I'll probably never forget Mm-hmm. And so I'm really sort of taking it as that, that approach is that the mountain's always going to be there and I can always go back and climb it anytime I want. So, um, just stay, I just stay positive every single day. Mm-hmm. That's an incredible mindset to have, man. I love it. I love it. And I hope, it, I hope people can take away that same kind of attitude towards this entire situation. And if for those who maybe haven't seen it like that, or in the way that you're seeing it before listening to this episode, I'm sure that after listening to this, they're, they're looking at it a much better way because you're offering a great perspective towards it, uh, not just towards the coronavirus situation, but towards life in general and adversity and struggle and reaching your goals. So I think this was an awesome episode for sure. Your wealth of knowledge, wealth of insight, really, really cool guy. Like I said before in the beginning of the podcast, a lot of cool stuff. And so for if, if anyone who's listening wants to continue to follow you, maybe look into what you have to offer, where can they do so? Where can they find you? And um, you know, what are, what are kind of the things that you have to offer to, to the world if they're interested in digging more into your stuff? Well, I try to keep an inspiring amount of content going on my uh, Instagram. You know, that's the first thing is that dr. J-O-N-K-E-D-S-K-I. So that's Dr. John Kedsky. And I, you know, I try to provide, like I'm probably gonna get up a Monday motivation post here in a little bit and I'll get up Wednesday wisdom. I'll get up all kinds of stuff on that. And then those things will be linked to my website, which is just johnkodrowski.com. So J-O-N and then a Ked like the shoes, row like rowing and ski like skiing. So it's johnkodrowski.com. And on that site, I have my three books that I've published but two of them are sort of inspiring sleeping on the summits books about overcoming obstacles with beautiful photos and videos. And then I have a backcountry ski guidebook to skiing in the backcountry in Colorado. And I'm working on some other books that'll be out in the next couple of years, but uh, all that content is mixed also with my expedition training. So let's say you have a, a dream or a goal of climbing Everest or climbing a smaller mountain um, or even just getting more fit for a challenge like a hiking challenge or a a marathon or any sort of training in the outdoors um, I can custom tailor an adventure it can be a ski adventure it can be any kind of adventure and I have a handful of clients now that work with me on a one-on-one basis and people can get in touch with me range anywhere from the nutrition side the training and preparation side to the full-on expedition side and uh, 
So I have information on the expedition training on my website too. And you see people can get in touch with me through those means. And um, my email and contact is, is found there too. And so awesome. um, what drives me every single day is that, that dream and ability to raise the bar. So we're Everesting every single day. Um, and then when I say what drives me is working with others, but also um, sort of the saying and the discussion of like, how am I going to, how am I going to raise the bar or how am I ever going to know my true potential if I don't raise the bar? So, so sort of what burns inside of me every single day is what if I don't see, what if I don't, you know, it's, it's almost as curious as like at times I've been hiking a 14 or a 13 -er or a new peak. And let's say I get to the summit Ridge and uh, let's say it's a beautiful day. And for some reason I turn around because I don't quite push myself through it. I'm always going to wonder what was the view like from the summit. So how will I ever know my true potential if I don't raise the bar? And that's kind of what I want to leave everybody with thinking about because every, we all have, have this ability inside of us to, to push to the unknown, push into the unknown. And, uh, you know, and so raising the bar is really what I'm all about. And I encourage everybody else to do that, especially through this difficult time. So get out there and get after it in Everest. Hell yeah, Find man. It. I love it, dude. That was a great, oh man, I got the chills listening to that. So I want to say excellent, excellent way to end this podcast. Yes. Do what drives you. You're never going to know what your potential is if you don't go out and chase it. So take it from John himself, go out, chase it, find your Everest climate. And if you need help, I think he's the guy that will help you to do that. Whether it's something in the adventure side or marathon or anything like that, he's the guy to do it. I mean, he's got an impressive resume and not just impressive resume, but just an impressive look on life. So John, thank you so much for, for coming to the Art of Fulfillment, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. And go out and find your fulfillment. Yes, I love it. Let's go. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Art of Fulfillment. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast, given the immense amount of podcasts out there. And we know you're a busy person, so we appreciate the love so much. You can find us on Instagram at Art of Fulfillment, or you can DM me directly at Joe Corsion if you have any questions about fulfillment, finding your passion in life, um, developing discipline, any of the topics that we cover in these episodes. I'm more than happy to help you. And again, given the time of crisis that we're going through right now with COVID-19, I understand you guys are or I should say maybe feeling a lot of emotions right now. And if you need some help processing them out or you need a plan of attack to help get your mindset in the right place, feel free to reach out to me and I'll give you a 30-minute free coaching session where I will not charge you anything or sell you anything in that. And if you DM me at Joe Corsione saying that you listen to this episode and you want some free coaching, I'll be there for it for sure. I want to help you guys out. I want to see you thrive. And I don't want this virus to get in your head or for you to get the virus at all. But anywho, thank you so much again for listening. We'll see you again next Wednesday. And remember, create a fulfilling life for yourself.